Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Hello, listeners. This is Octavia's Parables. I am Adrian Marie Brown. And I'm Toshi Regan. We are your co-hosts on this journey. Um, we are on the Parable of the Talents, Chapter 3 today. And we're really excited about all of you listening along with us. Um, we can already feel the buzz, the excitement, the energy that happens when collective, collective, collective body is engaging Octavia. Um, Toshi, do you have any announcements? Yes, Anything I do. coming up? Ooh. Yes, I would love um, to share that um, Alexis, Pauline Gums, and I are releasing another marine mammal meditation. It Dream. is called Breathe, and you will be able to listen to that for free on soundcloud.com backslash long water song. And then uh, it will be up on bandcamp.com where you will be able to listen, um, purchase, uh, a couple of versions Ah. (laughs) of it. So we simultaneously Mm -hmm. do that and held, um, which we released in January is still, still up to listen to on SoundCloud. So, so check it out and is also available for purchase at bandcamp.com. Absolutely delightful. All based on, um, one of our favorite books. (laughs) Drowned. Yes. Undrowned. Yes, Alexis Pauline Gums went diving deep to learn what marine mammals could teach us about Black feminism. And Mm -hmm. it's really, really a gorgeous book. Um, Okay, I'm glad. I'm like, do I have any announcements to make? I don't think that I do. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, Which is also kind of nice. Um, Well, oh, I could share this. I think I can share this, that um, my first fiction, like, my first novella is going to be published this year. Um, it's official now. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll share more about it as the news unfolds. But right now I'm just kind of sitting around my house wagging my tail. Like this is really, really happening. Like a novella is a different level of, of writing for me That's and a beautiful. different level of publishing fiction. So, yeah, I'm like... Octavia, <laughs> I'm practicing. I'm writing every day. I'm making it a habit. <laughs> so I'm so happy. I'm in there. Looking forward. Um, so you ready to dive into this chapter? Yeah, yeah. Let's get yeah. it. Let's get it. All right. Let's start with some verse, Wilson Bancoli. Here we are. Um, Earth seed, the books of the living. God is change, and in the end, God prevails. But meanwhile, kindness eases change. Love quiets fear, and a sweet and powerful positive obsession blunts pain, diverts rage, and engages each of us in the greatest, the most intense of our chosen struggles. I see this all the time. People are always using um, lots of things from this, this this one whole beautiful telling of of ways for us to exist through through our hard times. And that's great because I basically call uh, three things about this chapter come to me. Uh, One is horrible, ordinary stories. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the sacredness of love and care. And stop rape, stop rape, stop rape culture, stop rape, rape everything, stop rape. Rape needs, like, rape just needs an obliteration of the highest order. It's, it feels like it's a permission that is just, blanketly given <laughs> um and it's and it, it it just there will never be no freedoms until this is it and it's not that it's more important than stopping murder or stopping other horrible acts of violence it's just that it seems to be the calling card towards any other thing it's like we'll do this first and then we'll get to the other stuff we'll get this first we'll make this common and then then we can do anything yeah, and this is the kind of people we are. This is the kind, this is what we do. And um, is so this is, those are the three things. And uh, as as we read this book, we just have to tell our listeners that things really do get very violent um, in this story. And um, with a lot of care, we will talk about these things. But if you need to, you know, take care of yourself, while we're working on this, we really, we really understand it. So chapter three, I love the, how it starts because Ben Coley just says, I cannot recall ever feeling as certain of anything as she seems to be of Earthseed, referring to Lauren. I wonder if you're going to have a question about that because. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, great. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Ooh." laughs> I actually have multiple questions around that piece. because I'm like, Okay, mm-hmm. that's great. I'm looking forward. And then he goes on, all Amina believes in a God that does not in the least love her. In fact, her God is a process or a combination of processes, not an entity. It is not consciously aware of her or of anything. And (laughs) he says, Mm. it is not conscious at all. God is changed. She says it and she means it. So that is, that is a wonderful thing. And we're learning about this because Lauren and Ben Coley's daughter, who is doing research on a book about her mother, is is sharing these these discoveries. Mm. Um, and there's a lot to say about that, but I'm going to wait for your questions because I know we're going to explore it. Oh, yes. um, their daughter also really taps in into uh, her Lauren's dreams because Lauren wrote about her dreams all the time. And uh, their daughter says, we all need dreams, our fantasies to sustain us through hard times. There's no harm in that as long as we don't begin to mistake our fantasies for reality as she did. So huh? we just we just get this understanding that um, their child is just not here for Earthseed at all. And I'm not feeling it. <laughs> she is not. Yeah. <laughs> she is not feeling it at all. Um and so uh, we we go on and we get to hear about the journey of the family that was found in the house truck oh, um, yeah. in our la- last chapter. The Neuers. Uh, yes, the Neuers. And, and basically they had rescued some of the family, um, the mm-hmm. son and the mother and um, a couple of the daughters. And um, the mom is, has passed away and the... Um, the father of the family was already already dead, and so you start to see that this this community is is kind of you know becoming a refugee um, mm-hmm. 
kind of mm-hmm. a, a existence. Um, the dove trees who were attacked by that very suspiciously organized gang of of intruders, they are living on the land. And you just start to see how all of the families um, with the space that they have are trying to accommodate these different people and taking great care. It's a beautiful system of thinking about who has shares, who doesn't. Who, where can people go where everybody, where the community is safe? And mm-hmm. there's a level of, of beautiful um, generosity um, in that. And as much as they're used to people dying, they have a great and sacred respect for the dead yes. and for, for the living. And there's this one amazing part where uh, there there's uh, Dan, who is like, they think the 15-year-old, um, son of the Neuers, and who had done, we learn, a tre- tremendous amount of work, even through his injuries to try and save his family. And when they're they're healing him, um, Ben Coley says he was saved by maggots. And that mm. there was a type <laughs> of maggots that was only yes. interested in dead tissue and not alive issue, tissue. And though it was really gross, it actually ate away at um, infections and that's what helped save wow. him. Wow. Whoo, honey. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> I hope to, to get into an understanding of that right now. I'm just like, uh. Yep. <laughs> like, ooh, yes. Thank you, Octavia. Mm. Yes. Um, there's another person um, who has joined Acorn named May. And um, May is someone that's that um, is seems to have a gift for uh, uh, being around children. She's she's the one that actually puts oh, yes. the younger Noya you know, children at ease. And they've experienced so much, so much heartache and trauma. And Lauren doesn't really know like what kind of human she is, but she thinks she might be Latinx, but she's not sure. And she doesn't understand Spanish and she understands English, but she doesn't speak that much or well enough to be understood because part of her tongue has been cut. Mm-hmm. And um, Lauren points to this thing that she's been hearing about around disciplining women. Um, uh-huh. That women Oof. who are trying to take leadership, women who will stand up for themselves, that that they're called nags and disobeys and that there is there's just all of the bad things that can happen to women as they, you know, stand center and demand their their own space and their own beings. And this is is uh is even harder in this place where there's not there's not a lot of people looking for justice sy- systematically or systemically. No. So okay. things people can get away with terrible things, terrible practices. And we learn um also about how who the Neuers were and like how they got where they are. And I think that's really important. And I'm I'm looking forward to some questions yeah. around this. So these people were well off. Like yeah. these people had two houses, you know, they were doing their thing. It was seven of them all together. And they were they were living a good life. And yeah. um not that people without two houses aren't living a good life, but economically they were yeah. strong. Next level. And so yeah. they had the um, 
they had the assets to like, you know, sell off and just be basically be like, okay, where can we go? And they want to go to Alaska. Yes. So- <laughs> <laughs> for good reason and for good reason you know so they sold everything and they bought this house truck and they started traveling to get to their journey to get probably on a some kind of boat with their car their house truck and their family and get on to um alaska and what they were doing is um what most people do which is they were driving they were driving at night and mm-hmm. they were stopping somewhere during the day to rest and to air out their truck. And, and they were stopping in isolated places. Mm-hmm. And this is how they got caught. And mm-hmm. they they stayed somewhere isolated, but everybody was outside of the truck and nobody was keeping a watch. And a gang of, of uh, men just descended on them and attacked them viciously mm. and, and uh, stole people stole the two oldest daughters and um and shot up people and there's a whole battle with this family um yeah that is just extremely sad and hard and there's something about this like driving at night they had solar panels they had you see people just doing being creative yes you know let's trade in let's get a let's get a car let's get a house truck you know which feels like an RV, a very souped up kind of RV. Yeah. Yep. And like make sure it's solar powered and let's do all of these these beautiful things and let's be smart about it. Um Lauren points out that, you know, nobody you never rarely see cars during the day. And if you do see a car, cars don't stop. They will just yeah. run you over. Like nobody ever stops. And um and trucks and things like that. And so the highway is which it is illegal to do, but the highway is for walking during the day and driving at night. Um, so we just hear more and more about, you know, mm-hmm. the story of of what happened to this family. And Lauren has that thing. It's horrible, ordinary stories. Yes. It was familiar sort of story, horrible and ordinary. Almost everyone in Acorn has a horrible, ordinary story to tell. So they go through their their ceremony of life. They give the children oak seedlings to plant in the earth. And it's been mixed with the ashes of their planet. And everyone has done this with the memory of their, of their dead. Um, mm-hmm. They have a funeral. And Dan um, and their sisters sing these Polish songs that they learned from their mother. And they all sing beautifully. And... Lauren leads an earth seed verse. God is change. We give our dead to the orchards and the groves. We give our dead to life. And I love that Octavia says, and she pauses and takes a deep breath. Yeah. Death is a great change. It's life's greatest change. We honor our beloved dead as we mix their essence with the earth. We remember them and with us, they live. So that there is, there is more earth seed verses in this chapter, um, in this sacred ceremony of love towards the dead people. But that is chapter three. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's so much unveiled. There's so much world building and story building and character building. And 
We also learn that Harry and Zara have gotten married and had children. That's right. Um, there's, yeah, there's so much that we're just is getting unfolded here. It's like, okay, here's where we are. And um, this one, I might have the most questions <laughs> that we've ever had. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but I think that's good. I feel like now people are, are with it in terms of like we're studying together. So that's right. So my first two questions are kind of like a part A, part B, and they're totally about that, that, um, you know, way of understanding like what Lauren believed and how she believed, how thoroughly and deeply she believed in her seed. Um, so my first two questions are, of what are you certain? Of what are you certain? And then from what experiences does your doubt spring? Um, I, for me, you know, I, I was thinking about this. I'm like, what am I certain about? You know, I'm like, I know some things. Like, I really believe in the earth. I believe in the cycles of the earth. I believe in change as a constant. Um, but when I think about doubt, for me, it was, it's really, it sprung from my early experiences of organized religion and authority via the military and mm -hmm. seeing how, over and over again, I would be told that something was powerful and that that power meant it could keep me safe, that it would keep others safe, that the, there was a logic to it, that there was an order to it. And like there was a linearity that life that didn't, you know, life was like, nah, -uh. <laughs> none of those things are true. Like none of those dynamics are true. Nothing that you've been told is actually the way things work necessarily. And um, you know, those moments when authority starts to crumble or fall apart, or you see the cracks in it, you see the, um, the complexity and the change in it, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's made it so that whenever I come across organized religion, I'm like, I see beauty in the rigor. I see beauty in the faith. I see beauty in practicing together. Like those things always stand out to me, singing together, being together, bending down, praying together, all of that. I'm like, that's stunning. And then I always feel doubt when people have too much certainty, <laughs> right? And I'm like, and it's like this, and then it's going to be like this after we die. And it's going to be like, and then this happens. And those things I'm like, mm, nope. The only thing I feel certain about is just some change. I don't think we know mm -hmm. anything else more than that. Um, mm. So I wondered that for you, if you have a, a sense of like a thing or two that you feel like, I'm certain about this and, yeah. and I have my doubts. Yeah, I'm certain about my specific love for my loved ones. Mm -hmm. I'm just, it's, uh, I don't know, it's deeper than 100%. I'm certain of it. Mm -hmm. mm. And I'm, I'm certain about the transformation of, of, uh, of sound and mm -hmm. vibration. Yes. Um, I'm certain that the sun is going to be shining, but I'm not certain about the, I'm doubtful about planet earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's, yeah. I, and I'm certain about the stars in the sky and the moon. I'm certain about all that. I'm doubtful about our planet. <laughs> you know, Toshi, it's so fascinating that that's what you say. Cause the next question I have is, um, earth seed could be interpreted as a fatalistic belief system for the earth. Mm -hmm. If our destiny is to leave, it could justify the way we seem to be using it up. 
I don't interpret it that way now, but I did once. Like when I first was reading these, I was like, yeah, we got to get out of here. <laughs> we just yeah. got to go. Um, and I think that was before I understood that the things that are fatal to humans are within humans. Like it's not exactly. something we can like leave planet and leave behind. You know, I'm like, Earth is not the problem. So yeah. my my third question here is, how do we ensure that Earth seed or that our vision for the future is Earth inclusive? Uh, that is the best question. And it's the most necessary question. I think one of the, mo- the most mo- um, ones for us to contemplate at this time. Yeah. You know, I was reading about, um, it's an article in the New Yorker, and I don't know how y'all are doing, but I subscribed to the New Yorker, and mm-hmm. I just got through to <laughs> like the end of 2020. Um, <laughs> finally, I was it's like, hard. Oh, "It's hard." It's I was so like, much content. It's so much <laughs> content, so much, so much beautiful content too. Mm-hmm. And there was this article about the space, the space, our space trash, and basically oh, yeah. starting when we we um, started, you know, having things, satellites and stuff, and basically in the I think it's 76. Y'all, y'all, you know. Google the New Yorker and space trash. But in um in 1976, you know, there were just a few objects and some genius person said, hey, you know, like, why are we doing this? This but we, we need to keep track of these things and understand that mm-hmm. like they they mean something like mm-hmm. they they are they are relevant to us. Like they haven't a satellite up in the air like they it it needs it will eventually come down or turn into something like he's trying to yeah. and everybody's like yeah yeah it's so big and and I think he said something like it doesn't matter how big it is when we use such a small part of it you know it was like the and that was one of the most significant things I've ever heard it's like yeah space out of space is gigantic and you know probably almost endless but it doesn't matter because we're just using this tiny little piece of it and we're filling it with all these these things. And then we're making life from when they started doing stuff to now. We have made most of our systems um, completely dependent on these things hovering above us. And now, you know, things are starting to happen where yeah. they're, <laughs> they're traveling back into the atmosphere and could hit the space station. That's that's what was happening. They were exactly. preparing for a collision with the space station that was very close, like 12 miles or something. I'm getting all of the specifics wrong, but y'all know what I'm talking about. I appreciate, though, the energy that I'm getting. I'm like, I get the energy. This Thank is you. like a pending <laughs> crisis. In this is a pending sky. crisis. And it and it reminds me of the practice of asking what's next. Yes. And then, and then living your life based on what you know. So if you know what's next is that it's not sustainable that we can have a satellite driven life that that's a vulnerable that's a vulnerability yes. then maybe we start to like root our systems more in our relationships with what's right next to us and what's accessible. That's right. Um, that's right. And that includes all of the devices we're using to, you know, broadcast a podcast. Literally. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, the Zoom. Literally. <laughs> We are leaning. We are leaning and depending yes. on some things that are not actually uh, sustainable, yeah. um, and need and need some guidelines. I guess this yeah. was the other thing. But if we need to go radio, like local mesh wireless radio, I've got our people. <laughs> like I've got. Okay. We've got I'm ready for that. Yeah, 
I mean, but, but one of the other things too, is that there's so many independent billionaire type people who are just launching things in the space. It's not yes. just NASA. So that's, that's another that's concern. Wild. There's, they can just be like, you and I could just like get a, a gazillion go dollars and yeah. just be like, we're going to, we're going to throw our, you know, <laughs> Octavius Parables podcast satellite up there. Up there. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you for that. That, you know, I, it's one of the things that I struggle with the most as someone who was definitely raised in a Star Trek household. And like, I feel all the time this pull, 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 pull of like root deeper into earth. That's what's sustainable. Mm. This is the place. And take root amongst the stars, explore, travel, go see, you know, there mm -hmm. must be so many other worlds and this pull and, um, and, and feeling the unknown, right. That I'm like, Oh, what we're doing now, I know doesn't mm -hmm. work. And there's an mm -hmm. unknown about what could, you know, because there's a part of me that's like, if people continue to refuse to mm -hmm. partner with the earth, what do we do? Those of us mm -hmm. who want to I think it, it gets, it gets harder, which I think ties into this next question, which is who understands your deepest visions and mm -hmm. ideas? Who understands your deepest visions and ideas? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, what, Lauren was offering to Bancole and to everyone else in that community was like, here's the deepest thing I believe. And we're all going to organize ourselves around this. And Bancole got it. Like he really understood it so much so that like when their child is reading about it all, you know, years and years later, she's just like moved by how clear he is. You know, it's just like, he really knows how to explain this yes. belief system that my, my mom created and um, so yeah, look around you. Like who 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 do you feel like you can really tell like what you really think and where your questions and uncertainties are? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that should be something you have a few people that you're at least comfortable with sharing that with because that's mm. how you braid a path towards a future. You know. Yes. And this question is specific. Not all of our listeners will will be able to practice this question, but it still felt important to me, which is if you are familiar with the Arisha. Do you see Oya in Lauren? You know, she has been gifted this name and some would say gift in this destiny, gift in this selection. So I, I'm just like, you know, as you read the story, as you see the kind of change in the way that Lauren moves and thinks, mm -hmm. do you see Oya in her? And if so, or in addition, who is Bancole and who mm -hmm. is their child? <laughs> and I think their child, you know, that will continue to be un unveiled as the story goes on. But I think it's one to sit with is that I think Octavia did that on purpose, that it was another lens that she studied enough to understand and invite us to play with here. Um, and I want to invite us to play with it. Yeah, it might be cool to come back to that too when we get near the end. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, I have my thoughts, but I want to see what folks think. So regarding both the maggots as medicine, med medical practice, and the cutting out of women's tongues. Both of those pieces of this chapter made me think, what practices do you view as being from the past or like that's in the past, that's something that used to happen that you, mm -hmm. what do you, which of those do you most expect to see in the future? And what practices are you most afraid to see return? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm like, Thank you, Jesus, that I've never had to rely on a maggot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm just like, I don't know if I'm capable of that. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I'm like, Dan must have been knocked the fuck out. But I'm just like, whew, I really, you know, there's there's so many med- medical practices. Like when I look back at things that women were put through, like we're hysterical and they're electrocuting us. And there's like, you know, forceps. And there's just all this stuff that I look back and I'm like, thank you. Thank you that that is primarily in, in the past, at least in the world realm that I've grown up in. And some of them really frightened me. And then the mm-hmm. cutting out of women's tongues, which I really associate as like a deep patriarchal, violent practice. Um, mm-hmm. And which doesn't mean it's not happening somewhere in the world right now, which is always mm-hmm. the trick with Octavia. But which practices do we feel most afraid to see mainstreamed? Mm. Yeah. Um, next question is, what is your horrible ordinary story? Mm-hmm. It's going to be... When you deal with these questions, make yourself a cup of tea. Yeah. Like really get a glass of water when you start to think about it and have discussions about it. It's it's not, you know, I'm really happy I'm doing this with Adrian because, you know. We're never alone in the hard questions. Yeah. And we can laugh and, and talk about it at the same time. And it's really sincere laughter and but it's these this is rough it's so close to where we are and it, and and in a way it, it always has been even though she put this date these dates on it somewhere on the planet these things have been yeah. happening so yeah please take care of yourself as you're exploring well and you know you said that we have to end rape and which was one of my questions is how do we end rape um and between the question of the horrible ordinary story and the and this question on ending rape, I feel like so much about our humanity is unveiled and touched into, which is, you know, when I thought about this, I, I made a little list for myself of like the different things that I would qualify as part of my hor- horrible ordinary stories mm-hmm. and, and how part of what made them horrible was thinking that they only happened to me. Mm. Um, like that as it was happening to me I was like oh my god I didn't know this Mm. could happen how is this happening I feel so alone and ashamed that this has happened to me right Mm -hmm. and then the ordinariness of it was when I finally spoke up about these different things that everybody (laughs) around me was like oh yeah me too that also I share that experience or I know someone who has it and um, I wonder that that link between those two things of how many things like could become less ordinary if they were not hidden. How many right. horrible things, right? And I think part of how we do end rape is, you know, what the incredible work of the Me Too movement is doing right now is like shed light into all the corners and under all the rocks and tables, like shed light mm-hmm. on all the practices, you know? Uh, but I want to hear what people think about these questions. And it drives me into my next question, which is, and this is also a heavy one. But have your personal feelings about bringing children into the world shifted as you've read the things that these children go through? Mm -hmm. Dan's sisters, for example, two are raped and abducted. The other two witness that, hide to survive, lose both parents rapidly. And this is a horrible, ordinary story. Like what it is to be a kid in this time is to be on the run. And this is a story for even someone who's like, we're starting out with resources. You know, we started mm-hmm. off what I would describe as like an upper middle class family. We start there and this is, you know, the norm. Um, and so that's 
I know when I read these stories, my my ovaries were all like, you know, withdrawing <laughs> within my system. And, you know, do you feel happy for Harry and Zara? Do you feel happy about the different people in this book who are having kids? Yeah. So that one, I think, is one to always be with. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's such a great I, question, yeah. You, yeah. you know, because I think the, the other thing is you're you're aware of where you are. And so it's not like you were someplace else. And then you said, Oh, you know, let me choose this place. And now I'll do this and have, you know, and have these kids. The kids are always, they always just at the center of the viciousness. Yes. You know, I think as I mean, I'm like, (laughs) go off, but I just, I I think like where we sometimes just struggle around our politics, like we just make it so big and epic and like there's there's two parties and there's two ideas and there's and I was like, but it, it, kids are being tortured in school and it, kids yeah. are being da 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 and like women are being blah 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 and I was like the only the, there's like. There's some very just beautiful places we all could insist on being aligned. being great and aligned yes. and yes. not the, the the divert, you know, being being pulled in directions where you're like, you know, dealing with these other issues that mm-hmm. really are important to like very few people. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is the most interesting thing. You know, this is where I when I put the very first book that I wrote, How to Get Stupid White Men Out of Office, and I co-edited. And <laughs> and part of it, what I wrote I in it. there was, I hate politics. Mm-hmm. And what I meant in that was like, I hate these binary systems that get us confused and conflicted about the things that don't matter and make it impossible to move the things that do matter mm-hmm. um, and impossible to center our society the way it should be centered, which, you know, is around the children is around like whatever the next generation needs and how we care for ourselves our whole life long. So I really, you know, I think my answer on this is like, I see incredible parents all around me. And I think parenting is like, you have to be willing to say, I'm preparing y'all to navigate Mm -hmm. the future. (laughs) I'm preparing you to navigate a future in which you are going to be under vicious attack and you need all the tools available to navigate that because that's that's what this period of history is maybe there will be some other period of history in the in the future but in this period you need to know how to protect your body and to say no how to consent you need to know how to grow food you need to know what is you know healthy how to navigate so i'm like you know i i as i read this i'm just like whoo yeah you know how how are children prepared for apocalyptic times because we're in them Yes. The question of Alaska as the you know, seceded territory uh, makes me ask the question, where would feel like safety to you? Mm-hmm. And I feel like this comes up like every election. People are like, I'm, le- I'm, 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 I'm going leaving. Somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, where? Where, where are you going? Tell, me Tell us. <laughs> Tell us why and how, you know, how far are you going to be from the epicenter of harm? And what makes you think that will be a safe place? And you know, how do you make those decisions? Because I don't think it's like a, yeah, never leave. Or, yeah. you know, I don't, I think there are places that truly do feel a way where you can do a different kind of work, different kind of community, but where would feel like safety to you? And then last question, 
Kindness eases change. Do you know this yet? Do you practice mm-hmm. this yet? Do you yes. know this yet? Do you practice this yet? That's righteous. <sighs> I have so many feels because yeah. I'm like, this chapter makes me want to just say that, you know, you have these, you have um, the Robodo community that was yeah. really high functioning and really strong and just, they didn't go anywhere. They were like, these are houses. Yeah. Let's yeah. just build this wall. Let's keep yeah. adding to it. Oh, we need a gate. Oh, we need a key. Oh, we need a bell. Oh, we need guns. Oh, we need watch. Oh, we need. And they just kept, oh, we needing and yeah. running it. And, you know, Lauren's like, that's not going to work. Like, <laughs> we have to get out of here. And then you have the, the you know, the acorn community. You have the Neuers who are like, you know what? We're, we're not going to stay in these houses. Like, that's, that's over. Let's, let's, let's get mobile. And yes. you have to be so perfect yeah. in your practice to avoid, you know, anything. And even with that, it's just not a hundred percent. They make one mistake of like not having someone on watch or probably two people on watch for seven people. Oof. And that's the mistake that cost them their and having family, no, their, their whole life, family, their everything. lives, everything. And, um, and it makes it makes me want to say that, like, right now, when there's so many of us who are not actually in that state, what what also can we be doing now yes. to um, actually keep that state from happening? Yes. It makes it makes me understand uh, yes. how much everything actually matters. Like yes. they put everything they have into an RV house truck. Yes. To try to survive, to get to Alaska, to have a better From life Phoenix, in Phoenix, Pe- Arizona, or Phoenix, and everybody's like, "No, that's not going to work." <laughs> you know? No, and I mean, I love that Octavia. Like, this is where I feel she's so rigorous as a storyteller. Mm. There's definitely people who would be reading it like, "Oh, well, that was a middle class like you know thing," mm-hmm. and like they were in Robledo, and like I would have known better, and I would have had more, and I would have done this differently. And she's like, "Nope, look at these wealthy people." <laughs> Yeah. And they didn't know better. They didn't go in time. They didn't figure it out some better other way. They still got got because getting got is what happens during times like this. And so she continues to give us and, you know, is where she is parallel because Lauren is like, I want to hear all the stories of all the people who come to me. Tell me what happened where you what it was like Mm -hmm. there. And what it was like on the road and every I want to know every single thing because I really want to document this time. But inside of that, I see Octavia being like asking her characters, tell me everything. Like tell me everything. we all need to know everything that is possible so that this does work as the warning it's intended to be. Yes. And so that it does work as something where we can be like, how do we prepare ourselves and how do we engage? You yeah. Know? Do it. Do, <laughs> do everything now because it, it it'll now. be do it now. Don't wait. You know, yeah. engage these people running the smallest anything in yes. in your community. Engage your your people in your community, your relationships. Shape change. Shape your, change. Shape change, right? Earth yeah. seed is not a fatalistic belief system. God can be directed, focused, speeded, slowed, and shaped. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So that's chapter three. Octavia's Parables is co-hosted by Toshi Regan and myself, Adrian Marie Brown. We are produced by Kat Aaron. Our show art is by Krista Franklin. And our music is Always See the Stars, um, written and performed by Toshi Regan. And 
What are we doing? God is Change, um, <laughs> <laughs> written by Toshi Regan and performed by Bernice Johnson Regan, my mama, and uh, and myself. Yes. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, all you change, all that you change changes you, the only last thing to win is change. All that you touch, you change, all that you change, all that you change changes you, the only last thing to win is change. All that you touch, you change, all that you change changes you, the only last thing to win.